Heaven high. Oh, sorry, I check it. Heaven high. Well, heaven high to everybody. You'll notice there's a difference today in our accents because we're on different continents. Well, why, hello there, Nicholas. I'm in the United States of the Americas. Heaven high. This is Rum Doings episode 182, podcast at rumdoings.com, at rumdoings. And the topic today is. If white chocolate gets called white chocolate, when will it end? <laughs> Good. So tell me how your cold is, your terrible cold that you always get inevitably whenever you go anywhere or do anything. I haven't got my uh, GDC cold yet. It's too what early in the week. What have you got instead? I've got a, I just got a bit of a nosebleed, I think, from the aeroplane air conditioning. So give us your usual, I mean, it's a tradition on rum doings now that when you go to America, you give a certain uh, series of reports. The first report is, of course, the um, the trip. So tell us about that aeroplane and what happened thereupon. It was it was a very uneventful flight. Everything began as, as normal. At the airport, they made the announcement, OK, ladies and gentlemen, we're now ready to uh, board priority passengers, British Airways, first class passengers, and that confused old Asian family with an improbable amount of hand baggage. You and your hating of the Ray, the Chinese again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. There is oh, always, though. British, Air, British Airways, that makes a change. There is always one Asian family with just fantastic amounts of hand baggage that are physically impossible to have to have got past yes. anywhere who stand in a confused circle around the entrance not understanding it isn't their turn to go on the plane yet because they don't speak any english which is fair enough i imagine i would be a disaster in a chinese airport but you still hate the chinese tell I me think, well, of tell me why is this british airways though that's an you've no. gone virgin atlantic for the last 827 years no i alternate between once. them i alternate between them to keep it fair Oh, yes. You don't want to show you don't want to show favourites to your children. I don't want to accidentally get enough emails to do anything useful. Okay, so obviously went British Airways uh, premium economy, and we uh, I, I got to flap the wings. That was exciting. Mm-hmm. And there was it was nice. It was, not, it was a very boring flight, Nick. I'm so sorry to report the the man. The only interesting thing that happened is the man who sat next sat next to me did not go to the toilet once in the ten hours we flew. That makes me very suspicious because when I'm on an aeroplane, as I've said before, I've just got a tube between my gullet mm-hmm. and, yep. and my winky. And mm-hmm. all that happens is I pour the drinks down and out it comes. You know, I can, yes. I'm lucky if I can actually make the toilet by the time it's come out. And I genuinely have felt this. This is not I'm not putting this on as a part of a, a little joke for the podcast. But I'm worried at times. I thought they think if what are they going to think? I keep going to the toilet in front of the cockpit every 20 minutes when I... Oh, where are you sat on the plane, Mr. Lardida? Well, you, well, if it's on something like JetBlue, usually in the first oh, two okay. or three rows. Uh, and, yeah, this is where it is a particular problem on those kind of uh, short flights where, you know, mm-hmm. that's the only toilet on the plane. And I think they think I'm doing some sort of uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption thing to get into the cockpit, aren't they? <laughs> I really think that I think I think you've got a poster of Rita Hayworth up in the toilet. Exactly. And I'm drilling through just to uh, to get into the cockpit and get my freedom. <laughs> and I worry about this. So I have to calculate how much I can put up with my bladder feeling as if it's about to kill me before I go. Wow, I, I, I just, just develop a paranoid fear that the person not the person sat next to me, the person on the other side of the aisle to my right uh-huh. um, was 
somehow inf- infuriated by my constantly putting my tray away to get up to go to the toilet. There's no indication that he was, but I became absolutely convinced that this was really annoying him and getting on his nerves. And But yeah, so I, I think I went five times in the first six hours. And the guy next to me, yeah. never. Not once in ten hours, not one time. <laughs> That's not normal. No, it isn't. Uh, I, maybe he just doesn't have kidneys anymore. They've broken down. Oh, he was definitely, he was a young actually, games developer. Actually, you know what might be a bit tragic? Go on. What what if he does have a bag? Maybe maybe he was weeing the whole flight. <laughs> yes, what if he's like the Queen Mother and has his own special bag? That's not tragic. That's my dream. <laughs> well, it's only tragic in as much as you've been judging him as being anti-human, but in fact he has a disability, and you know that's tragic. It's not a disability to get to wee in a bag without having to go to the toilet every hour. Actually, uh, I do. On I, plane is not, there's no disability. That's I do an I, ability. I mean, yeah, yeah. I do agree with that. The only thing there's a bit of a downer is you get urinary tract infection, tract infections with those things. Yes. I was kind of looking forward to my old age where I got one of these, and I thought there's no downside, but no. Apparently, you get infections and things. So hopefully, mm. by by the time we, we're old enough, we'll we'll have little nanobots that kill all the little germs there. By the time we're old enough, antibiotics won't do anything at all, and we'll be dead of infections long before. By the time we're old enough, the nanobots will just crawl up there and take the water out for us without having to go to the loo. And then take over our bodies and use us to destroy the world. Well, if only. We can dream, eh? We can but dream. I watched Interstellar yesterday at the cinema. Uh, you, Yeah, but you didn't watch it properly. <laughs> no. No, you didn't go and see it at a 17mm IMAX, which, and this is not just my usual fetish, the person who created the film said, this is the way I want you to see my film. So, I would have liked to, but I did, it, it, it was in 4K, it was a decent screen, but it wasn't the IMAX scene. Bear in mind, it's like three months since it came out. I think I did quite well to see it at all. And you enjoyed it. The, a strange thing about the film, mm. Matthew McConaughey's face was never in focus, but everything else was. And I'm beginning to wonder whether he just has a really blurry face. Well, surely that was the point, if you think about the way the film... Do you think it was a deliberate... Yes, of course it was deliberate. I thought it was just a projection issue. No, 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 Noland is always... How how could you set up the projector so that it put everything else in focus except his face, wherever it happened to be on the screen? Tell me how that would work. I could do it. How? Because (laughs) whenever I use a projector, stuff like that happens. What you'd have to do is you'd have to have... You'd have to have the, the projector with its normal one lens, and you'd have to have a little magnifying glass that you held in front of the lens and yes. moved it about like a spotlight wherever Matthew McConaughey's face was just to distort him. I think we've long established there are three things the universe does not want to exist. One is projectors, the other is printers, the third is DVD CD burners. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> the universe is furious about those yes. things. Absolutely livid. Is there a fourth? I, there, I imagine, imagine there probably is, but have you ever just plugged a projector in and switched it on and then had it work? Never, no one, that's never happened to anyone. Well, that would be a sign of the end times. <laughs> it's the just, they have to not work. And my printer at home, okay. standard HP, wireless connection to my computer, and three days out of four works fine. On the fourth yeah. day, goes absolutely batshit crazy, starts printing out um, water. Well, the same thing. We at our office, we were tired of the printer that kept having these weird spaz days. So he said, "That's it. We're, we're going to get a the, the best reviewed, expensive printer that it has got a proper printing engine and good drives and so on." We got it. We plugged it in, and yeah, as you say, three times on a four it'll print, and the fourth time it'll just print out pages that are completely black, <laughs> just completely black. And then another. Have you stop your ink for you, Mister Baylor. Yes, another thing it does, which is very annoying, 
is that um, very occasionally, if by mistake, you know, in your in your application program, you haven't set A4, you've set letter. Now, you know, because you've got some American program and it's got letter-sized paper, uh-huh. um, normal printers will just say load letter as the old joke goes, PC load letter as the old joke goes in office space and so on. What this printer does is it completely freezes and dies and you have to do a full pull out the plug and put it back in again if you dare to try and print <laughs> a size of paper that's not there. So, yeah, you're correct. The universe does not want us to have personal printers or projectors or CD burners. Thank goodness CD DVD burners are a thing of the past. Yes. But can you remember that CD DVD burner oh, where it gosh. Would... And it would spin and then it would and then and then you get the little error and it would spit it out and of course you would then put the, 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 the DVD into another machine or CD into another machine. It would spend about until the heat death of the universe to try and read it and then it would just give up. Yeah. That was fun. I loved spinning hot things because that's what you want for your digital technology. <laughs> so what we need is uh, we need some sort of form of solid state device that, in which we can transmit data. No, that's never going to happen. Get to work on that, mister. No, we can't do that because sadly Mr. Spock is dead now. It is a, it's, it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Although he was in his 80s, so I'm allowing him to die. And he also had COPD from his massive smoking habit, which he, one of his last 10 tweets was, I, I used to smoke, I shouldn't have, I never, I wish I never had, you shouldn't. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, it's good for him to say that. It's not good that he died from it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's William Shatner, though, in, in, immortal. Yes. Well, is that, have you seen the photograph that they put up from the old series set where he's sitting with uh, all three of them having no. a cup of tea, and then in the next photograph he's sitting all on his own? People like no, I haven't that. Seen. Why is there a, a steam train running through your, your bedroom? Oh, did I not tell you? They've renationalized British Rail and have gone back 60 years. Good gracious, that's splendid news, because yes. that's damn sight better chance of getting to the airport that way. <laughs> no, I I'm not. I know, I read your... It's not satire, I, it happened. And I castigated you, because I always say, stay at my house the day before. You won't have that stress, but of course you're scared of doing Abandoned, that. So you have this... Aban- this usual nonsense. Don't say abandon my baby. You're not talking about some Rwandan orphan here. You're talking about an extra few hours on what already is an unforgivable abandonment. So don't start <laughs> pretending it's going to make any difference. Like, I, Toby, I how many- like Toby would give a toss. I mean, if you suddenly died, he wouldn't give a damn. And, you, and, and Laura will get another daddy who would be as good or as better as you. And that would be the end of it. So let's stop being sentimental. Fair enough. But I would I just want to know how many times I have to sleep at your house before you will acknowledge that I sleep at your house sometimes. Twelve. OK, OK. Well, I must be on about nine now, so I'm nearly there. Doubt that. <laughs> no, I, I was busy on Friday. Uh, Laura gave a, a, had a special magic surprise for Laura. Really? What was it? She, t- she just got her a massage. Does she like massage? I don't I don't. Do you like people touching you and fiddling with you? With, 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 where, so. when you haven't well when you and if there's a massage at the end of it <laughs> <laughs> i'd like you to toss me off but if you could give me a happy ending by massaging me yeah <laughs> right. that jo- we need to make that into a good joke we should do. okay well i'll get i'll send it to the lab <laughs> okay does she enjoy massages yes in fact apparently very much no victoria really doesn't like them oh, really? do you like it you know, do you like massages where they i've had you one i've had one in my life you it? I've had one in my life and I very much enjoyed it. I, I'm very conscious that there is... Uh, the, the problem with massage is it's inextric- inextricably uh, interwoven into woo. Mm. 
Um, there's no there's no person offering massages and says they feel good for half an hour. Well, that's, uh, that's everything how... in a spa, though. To be fair, I'd love exactly. to start wish... an anti woo spa. We've talked about I this. I love it. Imagine. Imagine yeah. if you could just that the the, uh, the the massage. You look up the massage, and it said it doesn't say um, as long as Swedish uh, deep tissue and sports massage. We offer a uh, hot stone massage and chakra realignment, and Oof. we can put your change your cheese aura to a, a pleasant uh, okra. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Reflexology. Oh, reflexology and 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 um, a reiki and oh, just imagine if they just said massage. We squish your bits. It feels good for an hour, then you go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Have my money. Or, or but that's I'm what not, it is. I'm even prepared to say, we also have some pleasant smells. <laughs> you know, I don't want yeah. the pleasant smells. They're distracting. You don't, you, I want those. So look, I can only cope with one, one sense at a time. Touch is what we're focusing <laughs> on today. Right. I will not have those other interloping senses coming here and trying to destroy my fun. That's why you have to lie down, because you, otherwise I won't be able to focus on the sense of balance <laughs> and I'll just be toppling onto the floor all the time. Yeah. So. No, I need to tell you my massage story. <laughs> Go on then. Were you at your current weight or less or more? About the same. Does it make any difference? No, it doesn't make any any difference. The only thing that makes a difference is my extraordinary hairiness. So they have to oil me up. Fair enough. Like a greased bear. (laughs) Um, But I'm having this massage and the masseuse is this really nice lady and she's a friend of a friend. um, And we're chatting about friends. And then she she ends up chatting about friends, the TV show Friends, and how much she enjoyed it. And she missed it. I was like, oh, there's a a TV show you should definitely check out. And it was a couple of years ago, as I say. It's a sitcom. It's really, really good. (laughs) I just didn't stop and think. And it's genuinely what the sitcom's called. And it it was absolutely brilliant. It was called Happy Endings. Oh, really? (laughs) So I said, you should definitely watch the sitcom Happy Endings. And then as I'm saying it, I Uh. realise... Oh no, she thinks I'm trying to. Oh no! And then oh. I'm like t- desperately trying to backpedal, going, um, um, obviously it's a horrible name, but it's a really good to Oh god, just kill me! And then I just bludgeoned myself to death with a hot stone. <laughs> well, at least those hot stones came. came yes, exactly. Uh, did she react to your saying, could you please wipe me off? Did she react I to that at all? I don't know. I couldn't work it out. I was just all paranoid and confused. Oh, it was awful. I thought it was to eat my sentence so much. Do you know what? The the best thing you could have done in that instance was exactly what I was suggesting you do to the person who was (laughs) sitting the other side of you on the aeroplane. At that point, you need to just become explicit. So the person on the aeroplane used to say, look, I've got this very odd notion that every time I go to the loo and I pop up my tray, it's annoying you. If that's the case, I genuinely am sorry, but I do need the loo. And if it isn't the case, then please call me a madman. And I think you would have laughed at that or would have said, yeah, well, so, uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Similarly with her, said, oh, I can't believe I gave you a name yes. of, of, that, of that, that sitcom in this situation, uh, yeah. you, you, uh, et cetera. Being explicit at that point is what helps. Why keep things tacit? Tacit is the no, worst. You're right. You're right. That's what I should have done. That's what you should have done. Talking about uh, uh, the worst, uh, how how how's have the homeless been? Have you gotten any stuck in your shoes? There's a couple in my room actually. Oh yeah. Hi. Hiya. Oh, yeah, the fire's out. I guess in a sense you're no longer homeless. Well done. You now live it's, in oh, a it's, hotel. If anything, it's worse. I've never. It, there's more. There's so many people on the streets. Mm. in union square at the moment and it's so awful and tragic and repulsive we're watching op- the people ignoring them uh, but i'm the people ignoring what am i doing i'm not stopping and saving their lives am i yeah but at least you're a tourist you don't have an investment in the place 
But it's just this, I know we've said this exactly these words before on a podcast a year ago, but the opulence of Union Square and the devastation of the homelessness of mentally ill people. It's, it's most... not just Union Square, it's that whole area. It is the richest, that, that's the richest state with the richest industries and the richest niches in the world combined with that. And it's just so, it, it, it's not that it exists that, it, I mean, you'd expect that to exist because it attracts people and then people go down on their like and so on. But it's that, the, it's, it's the overlaying of liberal simpering people, people who go on about uh, how one shouldn't say boo to a transsexual and nevertheless put up with that. It's, 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 oh, I'm sorry, I'm just, I was just thinking, I was just remembering about, um, yesterday, I was, there was a guy sleeping, like, flat out on his front, covered in cardboard, in the middle of the day, sleeping on the street, on the pavement, mm-hmm. and as I was walking past a group of, uh, games developers from, um, I don't know which country they were from, but they were chatting in, in a, in a language I didn't recognize, but you know how your brain sort of does an automatic babel fish and picks out words you can figure out and works yeah. out what they're saying a bit. And they were they made a, they were saying something about this man lying on the on the sidewalk and then just all burst out laughing, and I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to just tear off and reveal my superhero costume and beat them all up. You don't was, know though. I know you hate foreigners, but what if they were bursting out <laughs> laughing, saying he doesn't realise it, but actually we put a we put a million a million euro in a trust fund for him, and he's about to find out. <laughs> I hope that's what it was, but it came yeah. across as some particularly nasty. Mm. awfulness just remembering that made me feel a bit sad it's a problematized city and i don't feel Mm -hmm. comfortable visiting there because of that which is sad because it should be a lovely place but there you are um can we sort it out by next year do you think okay so um we need some sort of healthcare system put in place so we'll get that started also i think that's a place probably where um, the citizens' wage really needs to be put in practice. Have you heard about this? The Greens have kind of taken it on, but it was bizarrely actually a fairly right-wing libertarian idea. But the Greens in this country have taken it on, and that is you replace um, the standard benefits and uh, and welfare and all those sort of things, where whereby you give every single citizen a effectively a, a wage. It doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire or, or you're a pauper. You'll get, you get given, I think it was like £175 a, a, a week or something in, in the UK is what the Greens are proposing. And just okay. everybody, everybody gets that and that's the end of it. Good. Yes, do that. So that would probably work for California. If everybody who... But the, the problem is California would get rather full as, as, as the rest of America emptied into it. <laughs> That would be a minor problem, but there needs to be something like that because there needs to be a situation where, I don't know, it's very difficult because a lot of these people are obviously mentally ill. A lot of these people are mm-hmm. drug addicts and so forth. And so it, if if one just did give them, and I don't know what it sounds like, Tori, but if one just did give them, said, right, here's $200, it's not really, they will still be sleeping on the streets a week later. Yeah, it requires education and love. Those are the two things that are necessary to help these people. Mm, but I don't know. Well, that's very difficult, isn't it? Especially uh-huh. if you're living in an atomized society where everything's but about are, entrepreneurship and startups. I know there's a project in Bristol called the Wild Goose Cafe, which is um, a it's a coffee, it's a restaurant <laughs> restaurant cafe. It's, it's a cafe, mm. funny enough, um, where meals cost a pound and tea and coffee cost five p. Mm. Um, and it's primarily aimed at heroin addicted homeless people in Bristol in St Paul's. 
Mm. Um, and so people just come in and they <coughs> get, and the vast majority of people, there's it, it, a system in, 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 in uh, Bristol where you can get these vouchers. That, so rather than give people money on the streets, you can give them a voucher, and it's a voucher for a meal at the Wild Goose Cafe, mm. uh, which is a good system. And they come in and they can just spend some time in the warm, and then there are people who counselors and people who just work there to chat with people and see if they can help in any way. And then they're upstairs mm. above the building, they run educational programs where they give people basic courses and how to do interviews for jobs or basic uh, arithmetic and you know, numeracy, numeracy and literacy skills and all this stuff's going on. And no one goes in and then just pops upstairs, but people come in, start becoming regulars, get to know the people who work there. And, I mean, that's an amazing project. There's no reason that can't be something. Yeah, but let's sanctions. be honest, the, 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 however nice we treat that generation, that generation is screwed. Uh, and we can pretend that they're going to get jobs and so on, but they weren't. They're basically completely ruined. Well, I know people who did. I know people who've gone through it. I worked there for a while and I know people who went yeah. through. Very difficult to. Very difficult, especially that. with especially most of them are on uh, are, are meth scripts from the GP and are chipping yeah. it with heroin at the same time. So, very yeah. very difficult situations. What, what would be better is if we could get parents not to be wretched to their children. I think <laughs> that, that would be helpful. That would be a start. Should we, we, we do that? I mean, but it is interesting. I mean, think about uh, Tobias and think about how you would ever allow him to be in a state where he would become one of those homeless people. And of course, you can't because it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we we need everybody not only to have that mindset but to make sure that well i don't know what i'm saying because again it's it, it can sound very reactionary but there there is something about this we we how do you get to the state well i suppose you get to the stage where you abuse your children so much they run away that's what a lot of these homeless people are i think is they they leave a a, a violent and hate-filled household yes. and they have yep. no support because i'm to think how uh, how, otherwise how would you ever allow your children to get into that position or even if you had extended family how would your extended family allow your children to get in that position in my particular circle that just could not it could not happen it couldn't happen um not because any individual is marvelous or couldn't fall into bad times but because there is that circle of safety nets into which they could fall. Well, and I suppose way- a lot of people where I can well imagine like if we didn't have those safety nets into which we fall, yeah, easily I could I could easily be in a gutter, Judith could easily be in a gutter. Um so it's it's really I think when the safety net is refused safety nets. It can happen when the safety net is refused. So if I don't someone, understand how that happens. I don't genuinely. If, I, I, that doesn't compute with me. Okay, but say say you, you're you're a teenager and you fall in with the wrong crowd, um, which sounds very cliche, but it's obviously very possible, and you start. Um, you start getting your on cocaine or whatever, and you, start, you mm. go downhill from there. Yes. Um, you're now living with a bunch of friends. You've moved out to your parents' house, much to your parents' horror and chagrin. You move in with some friends, and you're wasted the whole time, and then things get worse and worse, and then eventually you're too embarrassed, or you, you, you start to view your parents as this middle-class perfection that you've fallen so far short of that you're too humiliated to go back to them, and that's, I think that's the route it can happen with. Well... It's, I still think it's the parents' responsibility at that point to sort that situation out. I'm sorry, I do. It's, it, I, mean, I would like it to be, but some, you know, people can't be controlled. So, I think if someone be. I think moves away and doesn't leave contact. So it's, it's, what I'm saying is, it can happen, but it's obviously less likely if someone has a stable background to fall back on. The stable stability. There's um, amazing studies showing that uh, young people who grew up in abusive homes, even if they just have one stable adult in their life, if it's even if it's just a teacher or a, an uncle or a, 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 a youth worker or something like that, just one <clears throat> stable individual who is always there and can always be relied on, 
they have they are far far less likely to repeat the pattern whereas if that stable individual isn't present in their lives then they are almost inevitably going to repeat the pattern of their parents well of course and again that shows how very important it is that there be uh extended families and communities in a way that Mm -hmm. there haven't been for some time i think that for a lot of individuals they are just individuals with at most their broken nuclear family which often only has one parent in it and i think that's hideously problematic um well obviously i think that's hideously problematic but there there isn't an easy state mandated solution to that no of course not but what there is what the the response is to say if you know someone who's in an abusive situation or in just in a very troubled household go be their stable person Mm. Yes, exactly. I mean, within reason, if you know of a, a 14-year-old in, tr- in trouble and you're 37, don't go and start hanging out with them without, you know, but some no, sort no, of that is, that protections that is bit, in place. No, but that is a bit tragic, though, because I think in, in a lot of a lot of times previously that would have happened and it would have been quite innocent. No, oh, but you can do it. You can do it innocently. You just have to have you have to maintain a system of accountability. Listen, you have to maintain a system of accountability. Mm-hmm. Like I've been a youth worker. I know how to do. Yeah, this. but you, you can- were a youth worker for nice Christ- Christian middle class kids. I think you know. I don't think you would have wanted to be in a youth worker for the scratters. It would have been. I've difficult. done. I've I've done both, and it's far more difficult for uh, for kids in trouble. I worked on a project with uh, kids on the risk of exclusion list from their schools. It was an alternative education program one day a week. Um, and these were kids who were, this was like a last ditch attempt to stop them from going, from dropping out of education at, at 14. Mm. Um, most of their parents were either, um, either severely drug addicted or in prison. Um, and it was, terrifying and eye-opening and extraordinary but what was amazing was just seeing how the relationships they built with the people who worked on this project were changing their lives it really worked it was absolutely incredible to watch uh, just gave them a chance to not become not be in prison by the time they were 18 well i suppose the alternative really is eugenics so yeah <laughs> well it is i mean what else are you gonna think oh you've got abusive uh drug adult parents uh, it's mm-hmm. natural think oh god please don't breed please don't breed and anybody despite however liberal they might will be thinking that because you're thinking you're going to be passing on the worst shelf of misery to your progeny um and although i suppose that's that's not always the, the, the case of course it's not always the case but sadly statistics speak for themselves and the- it, yeah, and it's difficult it's difficult to want more people brought into the world in such circumstances. But again, the, the, the difference is made through education and love. Those are the two ingredients that, that make a difference. I mean, this, this was in Bath. That's what's so extraordinary about this. This place, this is an area in Bath called um, Whiteway. And people in Bath don't know about Whiteway. They don't know that the reason that you see eight-year-olds running from house to house is because they're the heroin runners because they can't be arrested for possession. Oh, that's clever. Um, and they, you know, these are, there were kids who would turn up, there was a bag of shoes in this youth center for, um, uh, to, for, and I should stress, I want to stress this as a secular youth center. This isn't just lardy dardy Christian stuff. Um, this is just people doing it because they, not because they were guilted into it or any other reason. They just wanted to be things to be better. Um, they had a bag of shoes for when kids turned up barefoot yeah. and it's like, and that's, this is Bath. I remember t- I would, I worked there for a while and I told my super cuddly lovely um middle class church youth group all about this i said to them you know if i told you about children teenagers walking around the streets with no shoes um who never eat hot meals where would you think and they were saying you know like somalia or whatever yeah 
I said, it's your town. And they, they, the moment I told them this was happening in Bath, their immediate reaction was, oh, what can we do? What, we need to do something about this. And that was amazing. That was their instinct. This is 14, 15-year-olds, their instinctive reaction is, we need to do something about this. And then within weeks, they're on the streets trying to raise money to help projects doing this stuff. Mm. So, you know, it, it, the, the impetus is there, but people just need to be know, just people just need to know about it. It's, in London, it's quite obvious and it's quite, people know there's poverty in London, probably to the point where almost not quite to San Francisco levels, but it's so ubiquitous, people think it's helpless. But rich cities, and I've lived in two of them, Guildford and Bath, they just have no idea that they're yeah. living surrounded by this and people just need to be educated and then get off their backsides and do something well you talk about love but you did once push an old lady in a supermarket <laughs> i didn't i pushed her trolley i think the lady herself got a bit of a shove john i think i didn't apologize shove... to her on this podcast she's our listener <laughs> listener i'm very sorry that i pushed your shopping trolley to the side and nick and victoria have been constantly convinced that something far more malevolent occurred you beat up an old lady in the shop. <laughs> oh, he kicks her afterward. That's totally separate. Yes. Oh, dearie me. Um, so, how's your hotel? It's, it's very nice. Which one is it's it? A, um, I'm not saying. Well, why not? By the time this goes out, people will have already murdered you. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. It's, it's, it, the only problem is the AC. The AC is just a unit in the window, and it's too noisy to have on. But it's okay. San Francisco's never that warm anyway. It's up to. It's getting to about twenty, so it's nice to have the room cooled a little bit. Being a San Francisco hotel, I assume it costs seven hundred and fifty dollars a night. It's not. It's not too bad. It's not cheap by any stretch, but it's not too bad. So, um, are you are you an upstairs San Francisco or downstairs San Francisco? I mean, I don't know what that means. Well, are you upstairs or downstairs? Did you? Well, I'm on the uh, fifth you, floor. Did, did you have no? But did you have to sweat when you walked to a hotel? I think walked. Oh yes, I'm taxi. Up- I'm upstairs, and of course, no, it's, it's, I'm about two blocks up from Union Square. Mm-hmm. But not, so I, I'm, my, this, I'm on Sutter, so it's the street just before it suddenly sharply angles upward. Right. right um, yeah. But it's the, the walk from the uh, convention centre to here is, is only uphill. But uh, yesterday, yesterday I, walked, I must have walked about five miles just wandering aimlessly around the city. Well, you have to do that, I think. It's, it's a, actually a good way to deal with... Uh, with jet lag is if you walk around the place outside and kind of allow the sun to do its thing uh, and, and it, it does help a lot more than... I, I, I got here on um, Saturday mm-hmm. and um, and it was a, I had a late flight I didn't leave till three in the afternoon so I arrived here at two in the morning my brain mm-hmm. and um, didn't go to bed till six in the morning my brain so mm-hmm. traditionally what you do is you wake up at about five yes um, I woke up at 7 30 it was perfect. I got up and did yesterday completely normally. T- tired by the evening, obviously. Went to sleep at about eleven last night, That's and then woke up at half. Woke up at half four. So my jet lag got delayed by a day. Yeah, that does happen. But I mean, I don't mind jet lag that way. That way no. around jet lag, oh. it, it gives yeah, you a little treat. You suddenly become a massive morning person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's brilliant. I'm, so I actually managed to get back to sleep a little bit. But no, I love getting up at seven. I get up at seven anyway at home now, but because I'm an yeah. old man. Yeah. But I love getting up at that sort of time, going outside and everything's cool and quiet and, and going get breakfast at an uh, excellent place. That's yeah. all really brill. Coming home, that's when jet lag yeah, is just hell. colossal prick. Yeah. Yes, it is. But, I mean, you, you do take what I said earlier. I mean, you, you, you despite all your sentimentality, Toby doesn't really care whether you die or not. 
Oh yes. Oh, we were going back to that. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I, I think so. We were t- Laura and I were talking about this. Like, is he going to notice <laughs> that I'm missing? Is he going to miss me in any sense? Hmm, I and think so, he will no. in some sense. I think he will in some sense, and that his <clears> environment, <throat> his environment will have changed to a degree, and he will. Well, have- I think. A startling sense of unfamiliarity to a degree. Where's that smelly one with the strange voice gone? <laughs> well, he's uh, Laura's staying with her parents for a few days, so that's completely skewed anyway. Mm. Um, so he's got granny and granddad and a new house and all that to uh, to True. process anyway. So, but when we've skyped, he's definitely he definitely reacts to my voice, uh, not to my face on the screen. But then that's that's not surprising. I, I'm not talking about immediate. I'm saying yeah, I, I, he will. He'll have some mild detection that you're not there to some degree, wherever he conceives that you are you. But I'm saying in the long term, he won't give a toss. So it's my fine. Assu- well, my assumption is guilty. my assumption is that my assumption is he won't give a toss. And my, my my fear is that when I get back, I'll be scarier to him. I'll be alien rather than familiar because um, uh, of his short term memory, and he won't have you know his he won't have remembered. Uh, that's my again, fear. I think that's I think again that's um, you're you're giving him too much credit. When you get back, if he does think that, that'll last for about half an afternoon and then you'll be part of the furniture again. But it's uh, around five to six months that they start fearing people who aren't their parents and start to get scared of strangers. And he's, like, he's now four months. So it's yeah, kind but of you, borderline you forget, for that. No, but you forget the corollary to that, which is a stranger becomes family in about two hours. Mm. So, Fair enough then. So, you know, yeah, he may see you as a stranger for about two hours and then you'll be daddy again. It's distressing how it's almost distressing how quickly you will become daddy again, which is my point. If uh, Laura moved in with an axe murdering junkie, he would be daddy within two hours. So don't worry, John. It's all fine. Phew. No, I know. I'm not feeling guilty about abandoning him. I'm feeling I feel guilty about leaving Laura to do all the parenting on her own. But she's got uh, the help of her family. Also, indeed, for the first half and the other week. And then there's also the tacit, more tacit guilt of my, I just, I don't tend to miss people when I'm away. I just tend to look forward to seeing them the next time. So I'm not like oh, sitting here yeah. oh, racked with missing of, it's, every time I hear a kid chatting or see a little, a baby around Toby's age, I do feel like a, almost like a stomach punch of, oh, my baby. Um, but I, I do kind of, I know, I think I do feel that it, it feels a bit like what, you know, the Philip Pullman thing, like your demons been a bit, a bit too far from you. you just yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. You get that general sense that, um, the team has been disrupted, um, and then you can deal with it and so on, but there's a very mild sense of loneliness, especially if you're, you know, as you're going to bed in the hotel room, you're just lying there and it's a bit quiet. And, no, but I like I like that. Mm. That's the thing. No, I, no like, I think I like that. I fantasize that about about that sometimes, but in reality, I end up not really liking it. I really no. I I'm 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 far more of a bastard than you. Then, and, yeah. and, and I, look, I've always said this, to Laura. So when I've because this is the third or fourth, fourth year in a row I've done this. Yes. Um, this trip, and I've ne- I don't miss Laura when I'm away. I chat to her on, online. <laughs> Imagine that the podcast just cut out at this point. Yeah, I don't miss Laura when I'm away. Oh, we've lost the line. Well, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, but, but come on, say your butt quickly. I, save your marriage. <laughs> and it's much better without her, and I get to have sex with lots of other ladies instead. No, you don't. It's GDC. I should go back to. I should do my butt. Um, you better do your butt as it were, quickly. As yes. it were. As it um, were. No, I chat to Laura on Skype. I chat to Laura on Skype, so I see her then, and we stay in touch. And, and I know that I'm going to. Yeah, see her but hold on. I need to. So I need home. to. Inter- I need to interrupt you on yeah. that one, though. Uh, I chat uh, to Laura on Skype, or sometimes you speak on the phone, whatever you do. 
Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't, I, it feels really kind of weird and contrived and artificial when I do it. Um, oh, it's, it's, nice it's, to speak it's for a few minutes, but like when do you sometimes think, well, how do we get off the call now? Um, because I don't want to make it seem like I want to get off, but actually I've got to go and make dinner. Or got, and it's also, it's also a bit contrived. You know, I speak, I speak to clients on the phone and on Skype. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It feels yeah. like I'm, I'm scheduling something or I'm trying to sell something. It's, it's just such a weird medium or I, God forbid, I speak to you. Uh, I know what I should do. Oh, yeah. I should record a podcast with her. <laughs> go on. I could then speak for forty-two minutes without any problems. There you go. That is no, but I, you know, I know it, it's kind of like an uh, absurd thing to say, but actually, if, if there were a proper, you know, this is the news and let's talk about things without having where, where there's some proper context for doing it, because in in real life, of course, it's much more natural. You don't have an electronic device mediating you uh, across two nations, and you've specifically chosen a weird time to do it for both of you and so on. So yeah, well, that's a good yes. idea. It's Excellent. a good idea. But Podcasts, yes. I think you, don't forget that we are practised at this. This is something that, we, you know, this is the muscle that we've developed over years. True, true, true. Um, being, able to, being able to chat as casually as we do while I'm just staring at waveforms. Have you listened to episode one in the last two years? I've not. I don't, I don't think I've ever listened to it. No, we should listen to episode one. When we, when we get to episode a thousand, we should listen to episode one. Yeah, definitely. All right, we should definitely do it. So you were saying you speak to Laura on Skype and you love it and it's natural. <laughs> That's right. No, it's, it's, it's the stilted nature of Skype. It is but... stilted, yes. It's weird, isn't it? But then I'm just thinking, well, I'm seeing her on, on Sunday, so it's fine. Mm. <laughs> That's just what my brain does. And I do feel guilty about it. But if I thought I'm never going to see Laura again, I would be right now devastated. I'd probably be inconsolable. But I'm no, seeing no, her no. on Sunday, so I'm fine. But it is fine. Of course it's fine. And it also, it's a je- I think... I think it suggests a modicum of security because if you were, yeah. if you are spending the whole time a gibbering wreck, then actually I would worry about the relationship. You know well, what I mean? It, it's like well, well you, you, it sounds like you're terribly, terribly insecure, and you're worried something will happen, and you feel this weird guilt, and you no, you, you you're away for a week, everything will be fine, and you're going to see her again on Sunday. I think that's the more. I don't think you feel guilty about that. I think that's very good. You should give yourself a lovely medal. <laughs> I'm going to put myself a medal on my back. Have you had your breakfast? No, I haven't. I, I've reco- I'm sacrificing breakfast, uh, a sensible breakfast time to record this. And now I'm going to have to go out browns. and stand, going to have to stand in lines before I can sit down to eat now. Hash browns. Oh, I had hash browns yesterday. Omelette and hash brown for breakfast. Oh, lasted me through till tea time. Mm-hmm. Good. And what did you have for tea? Um, I can't remember. That, that must have been a wonderful deal. I went, to, I went to the Cheesecake Factory and had a burrito. A burrito? Yes. <sighs> I'm going to be low-carbing it from now on. I just have my, my day of happiness. Why waste it for a burrito? Of oh, all things. Do you not, not like a... Actually, I realise I've never really liked starches very much, though. That's why it's quite really easy. But there's barely any starch. In a burrito, the starch is just there to stop the contents from spilling out on the plate. It's brilliant. It's a tiny anyway, thin you, bit of starch and a gorgeous content. If you go to a guacamole and sour yeah. cheese and oh, it's gorgeous. If you go to sour cream, even. If you go to a cheesecake factory, why don't you have some cheesecake? I did have some cheesecake. I've never done it before. I've been to the cheesecake. My, my annual tradition is go to the cheesecake on the. And Sunday. then you eat too much, and then you every year. Yeah. And then the meal portions are so astronomical. I never, ever have cheesecake. So I stopped my burrito halfway through, had it boxed. It's now in my fridge in the hotel. Mm-hmm. 
I love a hotel where they've taken the minibar out and put just a little fridge in. Oh, it's the best. I've got my, I've got a bottle of uh, Diet A&W in there mm-hmm. and half a burrito. Isn't that brilliant? That's what you want. That's what the fridge should need to contain. Yeah. And um, and then I had I did have some decadent cheesecake and oh my goodness it was phenomenal I thought it was going to be terrible because it's you know a giant chain restaurant I thought yeah, the cheesecake chains. would be mucky crap and it yeah. wasn't it was ab oh it was just so creamy and beautiful what flavour banana cream did it work it worked so well there were low carb cheesecakes on the menu and I knew you'd be so angry with me for not trying one but I just wanted a moment of decadence. I think I think tasting a bit of sugar is more important than living to see Toby gain the Nobel Prize. <laughs> the Nobel Prize, for goodness sake! <laughs> no, if we're no- going to have if we're going to have running jokes. We should at least refer to them once every fifty episodes. Yeah, the Nobel Prize, where, where finally you will get your ninety nine p. I've been re-listening to the ninety nine p challenge. Was it what? No, it was a hundred. Was it ninety nine pence or was a hundred pence? The Nobel. The Nobel. I think it was a hundred pence. I think it was a hundred pence. pence. Yeah, the Nobel. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and I'd, I, I wouldn't listen to the ninety nine P challenge because I mean we were talking about it last week and about because uh, you hate lesbians, programs. isn't it? Yeah, I hate lesbians. But also, isn't it a bit sad now? All those people who used to be around doing radio programs are now too big for their boots, and it's. A bit but sad. I, but yeah, but there's something really good about hearing Simon Pegg uh, at it when he was funny and not uh, the not ruining Star Trek movies mm-hmm. and, and Mission Impossible movies and every other movie that he's in. Um, just being just a really funny and, and, and cheerful chap. And it's like, like <coughs> Amanda Inucci and David Schneider. That's an odd one. Can't hear anything he says without just imagining him in S and M gear now. Yes. Good. Or make terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible puns on Twitter. Yes. Um, also, and Peter Bainham. Like getting a super ninja, super injection. A super injection. Mm. Peter Bainham. Do you remember people, but our friend Pete, our friend Pete, who now, uh, whenever I think of our friend Pete now, I think of him um, in in the mountains of Beverly Hills, by an mm-hmm. infinity pool, sipping on a margarita. That's good. I'm I'm kind of pleased for him. It's fun, it's fantastic yeah. how well he's done. But yeah. it's so funny. I've still got I've still got an old phone number for him in my mobile phone. I'm assuming it doesn't work anymore now. He lives in the Americas. Should give him a call. <laughs> Should I give it a ring? Yeah. Um, he was our friend. He invited us out to things, didn't he? Remember? Can you imagine if we would have properly stoked up that friendship and we were both uh, in his circle today? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Mm, there you go. Well, Graham Linehan follows me on Twitter and is very nice to me. So Christopher, Christopher Morris um, boasted at the time how he spoke to the people in Cage, or Cage prisons as it was, including Mozambique, uh, to get advice on how to make sure that it wasn't offensive to Muslims. I know. I know. Remember that, people. Remember that. The people today who are saying how lovely... Can we also not call him Jihadi John, please? Yes, I know. Well, depends, we not, now he's, not, he's not a cheeky chappy from some sort of 70s sitcom. Well, now they've got a surname. The, the sensible papers are referring to him by that, aren't they? So I've noticed mm. that. I've been following the news headlines of the British Isles since I got here. Good. Peter Bainham wrote... Um, he rewrote this script for Arthur, the remake of Arthur. He did Arthur Christmas. He did Hotel Transylvania. Gosh. Um, and he's written something called Grimsby, which is currently being filmed. Which, oh, it's, an, it's the new Sasha Baron Cohen. He always writes the Sasha Baron Cohen movies. Oh, yes, of course. What is um, that? What's that going to be? What's Grimsby. Baron- a new assignment forces a top spy to team up with his football hooligan brother. Oh, my goodness. That does sound grim. Oh, it looks like it's Sasha Baron Cohen's in as an actor rather than a, as a, his own project. Just from the order of the, it's got Penelope Cruz and Isla Fisher in, in it. Penelope, Keith and oh, Ensign. Penelope. And a Penelope Keith and Isle of Wight. There you go. I have to finish your joke for you. 
<laughs> I love Lucy. I never did. It's a terrible <laughs> sitcom. Oh, well, Nicholas. <laughs> Didn't he beat her up, basically? I think it did seem like a very abusive relationship. Yeah, terrible. Can you believe So Pierre Peter Bainham, he wrote Bruno, and he obviously he wrote for Alan Partridge movie, and Borat, he wrote that. Yes, And indeed. it's like, and he used to be our chum. He used to chat with him on the phone and uh, yeah, go for lunch with him. Us, invite us to green rooms. Mm. Oh, and then not invite us to the green room when we went there anyway. <laughs> do you remember? I the day remember. we met Chris Morris. And Amanda Yanucci and Steve Coogan and uh, Drug Addict. And who else was it? Quite a few. Um, Valerie Singleton and Sally Phillips. Guys Denny Powell. Sally Ph- oh, Sally Phillips. Remember, I kissed her on the cheek. You did kiss Sally Phillips, yes. And then she became a Christian. Is I know, I'm just saying. I don't think so. I think um, the evidence is right there. Yes. Um, yes, it was. It, 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 that was the... Most Vic Reeves popped in at one point. Yes, that's the most, that was the most peculiar evening of my life, I think. I don't think there were two of them. There was the election night, which I think, even though the, even though we met Chris Morris on the next one, the election yeah. night, 97, watching Labour win the election in 97 in the bowels of the BBC, surrounded by our comedy heroes, Amanda Inucci throwing crisps at Michael Portillo on the TV and his wife telling him off while she cuddled Mr John Major. This, this, uh, and and, and what Steve Coogan was doing impressions of the yep, people doing on the telly in front of us. And get, getting increasingly funny the more drunk he was. Um, oh, and Valerie, si- Valerie Singleton sat on my feet, and when she left, she forgot her shoes. <laughs> it was just an extraordinary night. You when you say, yeah, that was the thing about it. It was a, it's it's bizarre to think that there was such a concentrated moment in our lives, which then just dissipated into nothing. Well, what's really odd about it is that yes, indeed, it just dissipated into nothing, never came of anything, and now. Some of the same people are in touch with me for different ways. Like Graham Linehan and I know, sometimes chat via Twitter, and he is—he's been extraordinarily generous and kind when I've been having particularly nasty attacks from GamingGate. He's been a Al Campbell who directs Charlie Brooker stuff. You know, he and I know each other via Twitter. So it's, it's an odd kind of loop around of Rock Paper Shotgun has put me back in touch with some of the same individuals. How is Rock Paper Shotgun? Is it—is it good? It's all right. It's all right. Are the writers any good? Do you know they really are? That's good. We've got such good writers on our site. I really love that. And it makes me really cross when other sites have bad writers and do better than us. Well, maybe you should stop them doing better than you by just stealing all their traffic. <laughs> just go, go and, act, go and like hijack their traffic, their redirects. To, can you do that? You're in charge of the internet, yeah, aren't you? I'm in charge can of you just redirect, redirect well, maybe- uh, Polygon to RPS? Well, Polygon is really rubbish, and I'm surprised. I, I mean, they really. I mean, obviously, you can't comment because it's unprofessional to diss your competitors, but they really are such. They're such pretentious, awful rubbish. And I think the the best example of that was when they uh, published their portentous nonsense about their code of ethics and opinions and things like that. And uh, you then posted the two lines saying it's okay to have opinions; we all have them, or whatever. Yeah. And, I, yes. and I did a tweet saying UK versus US, and I think it's the most retweeted thing I've ever I've ever got. So it was very. It is. I mean, the thing is, I can see how there are some intelligent people involved with it, and there are people who oh, really yeah. do like. But there's also there's, some really nice people involved. Yeah, there's some I'm very sure there is. But it, it kind of condenses into something that I find really. American pretentious. There's British pretentious and there's American pretentious, and they're like the the essence of American uh, startup pretension, which really gets on my wick. So yes, I'll have them close down. And I'll redirect all their traffic to you. Okay, that's good. Okay, uh, shall we say good night? We probably should. It's been fifty oh, minutes. Good morning. It has. Good. Okay. Bye. What time is Bye. it? What time is it, Nick? Nick. What time is it? What time is it? 
It's 17.28. It's 9.28 in the morning. Incorrect. You're wrong. Uh, where do the where does where uh, who's closer to Greenwich, which is where all time is? Hmm? That's true. Yes, but who's got the whole of Monday left? The potential Monday. Oh, who's hooray. got longer to live? Oh, I've hooray. got longer to live. Oh, hooray! Another Monday, just what everybody hopes for. <laughs> bye, 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 bye.